This podcast is presented by Rabbi Peretz Muchkin, speaking to the millennial generation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Rabbi Peretz podcast. I am honored to have with us here on the podcast, Janet Gallen, host of the Love Letters Live podcast. Welcome, Janet. Thank you. Janet's Always a dear nice friend. Thank you. We, we got to live next to you and really enjoyed your presence so much. My wife and I, Miriam, uh, Miriam especially built a really deep relationship with you. And you're That's one of the true. people that we miss seeing all the time, but yeah. we thank God for technology where we get to interact yes. and yes. Re- have relationships that we've, really we've kind of come to accept it as good enough. <laughs> we get to see each other and we're not constrained by time or distance. Yeah. How has that actually helped you in the last couple of years with the world closing down? Like, uh, oh, I, I think all the time, like imagine we lived in the nineties or eighties and, and there wasn't this technology or worse, there was small technology that costed 50 bucks a minute to, to call to yeah. other people. <laughs> well, I, I remember many years ago seeing a movie and one of the, um, I, I, I love science fiction. And one of the scenes in this movie, it wasn't so long ago, actually, one of this, although it's been repeated in other films, one of the scenes was way into the future, and it was people on different planets separated by light years. And they were able to go into some, you know, like a payphone kind of an arrangement and talk to each other. And so one was on a screen and they were each on a screen. And I thought, how dismal, how dismal is that? Now I just love it. Now we get this clear. You look amazing. I look amazing. And then we'll peel the layers away and, uh, and see the real thing, not just yeah. the front end. So Wonderful. you, you have been it doesn't hosting... take the place of writing a good letter though, but go ahead. No, it doesn't. I, that's what I want to ask you about. You okay. used to host a radio program and now yes. a podcast. Yes. Uh, and Miriam was on the radio program twice. I to, twice. I got to be on your podcast and you essentially guide people in writing love letters um, what is, you know, a lot of people I know write journals. What's the difference between writing oh, a love letter or well, just writing all, a journal? Guiding people. Yes. I mean, that is one of the things, but I also like to encourage them to do. And I am aware, and I'm going to bet the ranch that you'll agree that whatever the experience that befalls you, whether it's something wonderful or awful, and life is filled with both, there are the seeds in that experience of a love letter to someone. Wow. You know, I had, I did once, I did once a love letters workshop with five-year-olds with the kindergarten class and it was great. These kids had never seen anything but this, you know? And so we talked about what letters were in love letters and one little boy raised his hand and he said, can I write a love letter to air? I said, not only can you, you should grateful as ever you can be. And you can, you know, you have a positive thought about someone and I'm quite sure that gratitude taken to the grave serves no one. What do you think? I that's a that's a I've never heard that line before. I think that's uh, well. A, I just said it. I mean, I'm. It's just it's something beautiful. that I. Yeah. You, by the way, Janice, it's full my heart. Every it's, time. That one was more than a line. I mean, that I really feel that. That's that's really true. You know, they they there is the idea of like people have a song inside uh, <laughs> that they need to bring out, but I think a, a deeper way is gratitude inside. You know, something that they can express. So, do you inter do you interchange love and gratitude? Is that on the same level for you? Oh well, a, a, a letter expressing gratitude is a kind of a love letter. There are several in this big broad area. One of them is gratitude. One of them is um, 
thank you notes are a wonderful opportunity for a beautiful love letter. Not just, you know, thanks for the shirt, it fits and I like the color, but you know, a little deeper than that, which we go into some other time. But um, apologies are just some of the most elegant love letters you could imagine. When and did of this course, start for you? When did you get into the, like uh, the idea of like this click for you that you could like stop time and create a space to really forget analyze, but really like expand yourself through these love letters, bring out something inside of you that uh, needs to. Well, come it definitely out. does. And by the way, you know, I've seen people. I did a workshop once on uh, love letters to the terminally ill, or um, well, let's just say, and and the dying and families of recently deceased and you notice that people are writing these things and you're just consumed with grief and watching somebody you love just fade and shrink away. And as people start to write these love letters, you know, people are a little afraid because you don't know what to say. It turns out it's not so hard. And as you're writing a love letter, let's say to the family of someone who's died and you're remembering, you're bathing in the positive and you see people their breathing evens out and they're smiling and they're because they're living in the moment and the moment they're in is the positive. Wow. Uh, it's just one of those, you know, everyday garden variety miracles. Uh, two years ago, Janet, uh, it's less than a little less than two years ago. Uh, my, my older sister passed away. I know. I know. And, and when she, but before she passed uh, like a year before she passed, I flew into New York to visit her during her treatment and I recorded a podcast with her. And like, I think the way you're expressing it really encapsulates what that experience was. I like, I really just wanted to capture her strength and her zeal and her positivity and her optimism, because that's what, that's, that's what I think her character was. So we deserve that to be the lasting memory of who she was of this incredibly powerful person. And I didn't want her, her quote, illness to, to define her oh, in any way. Thank you for you know? saying that. You know, you see an obituary so often and obituaries are a glorious kind of a love letter if you do them right. Um, <laughs> anything is. And you see an obituary so often, you know, she lost her battle with cancer and she lost her battle with this right. and he lost it. And everybody dies a loser. What? Right. The it issue just... is how they lived life, not how they died. Yeah. And I mean, I think, and it's how they live life and what they gave to others not what their degrees were in and where they got them. So this really goes across the board to not just emotions and experiences and to relationships, but it really is like you have to learn to define what's happening within you in order to really see the narrative in a bigger picture and to really zoom out and see what's happening. And by the way, it goes, you know, as I say, it's thank you notes, it's lovely. It's inviting somebody into your life. It's flirtation. It's flat out lust if you feel like doing it. It's memories. (coughs) I had somebody ask me once in a workshop, well, you know, how specific can I get in this romance and physical intimacy? And there were things that she wanted to express that were lovely to her. And she was maybe a little embarrassed. I said, you know, it's just between you and him. That's who it is. Feel free. Say whatever you want. Remember whatever you want in glorious, vivid detail. And if your great grandchildren find it after you're long gone, (laughs) let them learn a little something about Bubby. That's right. That's right. You know? That's 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 a good case scenario. Yeah. Um, I mean, how did you how did you get into this? Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> how did you get into yeah. the love letters and to the and to, an, and to an creating obit- these experiences? An obituary. Really? Um, one of my dearest friends called me many years ago, and she said, 
I have a favor to ask you. And I said, of course, darling, what? And she said, I need you to write my obituary and I need you to write it now. Wow. She wasn't sick. She's going to outlive the cockroaches, God willing. <laughs> and, but she doesn't like, she's, she's the one who made me aware of these. She likes reading them. All these obituaries, you know, she lost her and she will be, so she will be remembered. Passive voice, lost her, lost a battle. She always lost her battle with something. And she <laughs> I said, I'm not going to write your obituary. I can't do that. She said, please, I need it to be your writing. I don't ever want it to be anybody else writing it. And I said, I know that, sweetheart. And I thank you for that. But I, I'm, I can't take part in anything that looks to a time that you're not here on earth with me. So I, I can't do it. And she absolutely ignored me. It's like I wasn't there. She said, and you know how I feel? I said, I know how you feel about everything. We've been friends for 60 years, whatever it is. And she, and she said, and no battles. I said, no, I understand that but also no obituary. She said, actually, if you want, you can say I died after a battle with every person on this planet. And I just started to laugh and I see you know, tempting as that is. And then I started to think, why not write the obituary and send it as a love letter? Why should people have to wait till they're endreared to know what people thought about them? Yep. Right. That's such a beautiful like experience. I think we're we're all fascinated with a form of our legacy without realizing that we're living our legacy right That's now. Right. That's and right. And so by and and we can we can see our own sometimes through learning to write someone else's. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I, it's really it's it's a wonderful, it was so much fun to do. And anyway, I sent it to her and she didn't open it and she didn't open it. And I talked to her husband. I said, you know, did she get something for me? He said, yeah, it's been sitting on her desk for three weeks. I said, don't tell her I called. That's the other thing. When you send a love letter, you've done your job. You don't get to say, did you get it? And what did you think? No, it's a gift. You sent it. Goodbye. And <laughs> I said, don't even tell her. Anyway, she called a couple of weeks after that. And in this little tiny voice, she said, oh, she told me she was scared to open. I said, throw it away. You don't, you know, don't keep it. Anyway, she said, I read what you wrote and she said, it was so beautiful. She said, but I didn't recognize myself in it. And I thought, whammo, double the gift. First of all, you shouldn't, as I say, have to wait till you're six feet under to know how people valued you. And you should see yourself most clearly. And that is through the eyes of someone who loves you. So I, I gave this little spiel to a group of professional women. And one woman came up to me and she said, that was wonderful. She said, I think we can do something together. And I said, well, what do you have in mind? And she said, uh, and meanwhile, I've been, I've been working with people to write, to help them write uh, emotionally difficult letters. She said, workshops on writing love letters. And I said, how wonderful. So we did that. And then a radio slot opened up. So that's how it all started. And that led to a, you know, a newspaper column for a while. And, but I tell you something, Rabbi Munchkin, it, they work miracles. I have seen them solve family problems, bring people together. You know, people who, who want to, um, I mean, I don't know what it's like in courtship and like, you know, I don't know why it wouldn't be part of matchmaking in Jewish life. I always thought that uh, one day when I'm going to teach my dating course uh, for the yes. secrets of dating uh, for people, it's going to include 
that you write a letter to the so-called person you want to be in love with. And then we on the back end match up people who have similar letters to go oh, on dates. Lovely. By the way, if you want me to help date- with that. Yeah. <laughs> I would love. So one of the things what I did, it's always so interesting with high school kids and they yeah. were kind of nervous about it. And they were a little, you know, they were awkward and uncomfortable. We're going to write love letters. And so I said, everybody look at the, we're sitting about around a big one. Everyone look at the person to your right. You're going to write a love letter to that person. And they were awkward at first and they took off and wrote the most gorgeous letters. Wow. Everything positive that they saw and felt in that person's presence. Wow. You know, it makes you, it brings out your best, doesn't it? Well, you know, it's inspiring me in a way of like, there's perhaps a new lens um, for us, us Jewish people and the world out there is to imagine that your ancestors wrote you a love letter. Like oh, isn't that every, interesting? Every, every person who has a child intuitively knows that their child isn't just their child. There's like a new world being born. So the future yes. is born yes. through their action. Yes. And so there's this idea that indirectly, like Jewish culture has like written many love letters to us. And when we tap into well, them through through holidays, the, the Hasidic master known as the Baal Shem Tov used to call holidays love letters. Oh, my. And he'd say... Each holiday is a love letter from our ancestors and our creator to us. Oh, yes. So for example, when we experience Passover next week, it's a love letter saying like, you are really free. You're uh-huh. not constrained uh-huh. by your issues. You're really free. And that's something that just came up as I'm listening. I'm like, actually, I really did. They, they told that to me as a child, but here you are a Jewish woman intuitively using, you know, yes. your ancestral charge to like yes. bring something beautiful out there and deal with instead of, instead of grief as trauma, grief as like, as like another one of those beautiful poetic parts of life. Instruction. Yes. Yeah. And also, you know, you talk about, you talk about, it's a love letter to us. And of course there are all kinds of ways and things that you can see as love letters, but there's something about handwriting. So by me, a love letter is something you really put on paper. And I would like to say good paper and indelible ink because people keep these, I I have letters copies, not copies, I have letters that were written in like 1904. And they're as readable today as they were the day they were sent. And if you think that you can pour your heart out on any kind of a device, do you remember, are you too young for the little square floppies? No, I'm aware. <laughs> the floppy disks? Yep. That we used to put everything on the computer when they first That's came right. out. And we thought that would hold our everything for, no, they corroded and the news computer, there was no way of playing. You can't play your VCRs anymore. That's right. You know, technology changes. Let her so yes. Well, you're so right. There's there's real high quality differences in, in just pen and paper. Uh I and and perhaps it's not seen as much. Everybody today has these journals, these those won't stay so well. But uh you're you're turning on to a good point. Nothing replaces good quality when it comes to good quality love letters. Excuse me, as a Jew and a rabbi, what about scribes and to- I mean handwriting? Yes. The, the the perfection of it, the the requirement for perfection of handwriting in right in creating a Torah, for example, this way, you know. Well, we you um, know, we have the tradition that Moses brought uh tablets like stone in carved stone, mm-hmm. but that's not the Torah that we took. Right there in the desert later on, he wrote a Torah. And those yeah. are the Torahs that inspired our Torahs and 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 were copied one from another. 
And one of the mystical traditions of why we couldn't keep the tablet, people then could have said, hey, tablets were normal then. Why should we go to the, to the, to the parchment and ink? Was because parchment and ink, although they last a long time, they require a certain artisan connection. Like you have to pour your heart into it and then you have to take care of it. You can't just yeah. like leave it around. You have to put it in a right environment. And that creates a relationship and bond between the writer and what's written. And that's right. just a deeper layer to, to really do it really that. Is. It really is. And, you know, you get if when you write a thank you note or you write a letter to somebody. Well, I do it. If I'm thinking about somebody, it's so much easier than leaving voice messages. Just a little note that says whatever you're thinking, stick it in the mail. And people say, oh, you sent me a handwritten letter. I, it's, I just can't fit. It used to be normal. Well, I, I think that's absolutely beautiful. Handwriting I, uh, carries a lot. I want to. I want to. Uh, take this to another dimension. We're speaking of Passover and I'll forever remember your Passover table. Um, I would always come a day or two before Pesach and try to share some round yeah. handmade matzah or just come yeah. say hello. And uh, you always had your table set up. It was so beautiful. Um, it, it's something like where it was like tradition meets personal style. It was like, yeah. really, it had you invested in it. What type of like uh, inspiration was there in your life for this table, like it, it just wasn't like, where did it come from for you to have oh. that type of beauty that you injected into your pace off table from, from my mother who set table beautifully. And, you know, I, and I guess I always knew it was a way of making other people feel really welcome that you've gone to some effort to create a space for them to share thoughts and life. Yeah. You know? When, when I, when Miriam and I started hosting dinners and getting people together you know, the options were like many places that uh, hosted regular large dinners, they would use like plasticware and paperware because they just wanted to be able to serve the most amount of people. And uh, and we were like, well, you know, it's not quite going to cut it. Like we need to serve on real and create beautiful tables because it really adds a dimension that you I can't so. have otherwise. And uh, yeah, hand, it required a lot of dish doing after Shabbat. Right, but, but you can't have 80 people for an event and have fine china. We found a way, you know, what? we, uh, we found a way we, okay. we, I wouldn't say it was as fine China, but it was a uh, decent oh, China. You, okay. So you still did it even for large groups, <laughs> even for large groups. Oh, good. And, good. and we'd sit and we'd sit uh, Saturday night cleaning like a hundred plates and cups and, and, okay. and it was sort of, I think we had like smile on our face the whole time, knowing that the extra effort changed the environment. And, it does. Think, and by the way, I take back what I just said that about 80 people, you're not going to have China. Of course you do. <laughs> of course right. we, we went for it. We went for it. We did what we could, but those were, no, you those know were times where think, every detail mattered. What I, what I think when you set a table, like you do, I think you are making other people feel valuable. Hmm. I think and that's I, I, exactly I think that's, it. Those are the words. Like yes. That, you have the power to do that. And the same with letters. When you write, you have got the power, power trip and plus, You've got the power to make other people feel worthwhile and valuable and graceful. There's this idea in Kabbalah that, that the Torah is called um, like divine kingship or divine royalty. Mm -hmm. And today people think of royalty and kingship as sort of like the Queen of England or a Disney character or a dictator. But in ancient Jewish times, the king was somebody whose job what was the job of the king and queen to bring dignity to the people Oh, to make the go. people feel beautiful as right. if to say, because you know, what makes you feel really beautiful. If I didn't have to help you, 
but I made it my mission to give something to your life, there's an extra layer of beauty there. If it's my job to help you, well, that's your job. But if it's not my job, so the, the king and queen is the ultimate people who it's not their job to make you feel good. So when they do, it's like, wow, they're they're including me into that royal process. Sort of like today, the closest thing is a celebrity said hi to me. You know? Oh, I know. But, Don't even. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there's something more. It's about like bringing dignity to other people. And that could be the most subtle ways. And definitely, uh, I think the love letters is a great way to express that. And uh, we were talking... Um, actually on your podcast about the idea of me writing to my children about the experience I had with them pass over COVID. And it really, it's, it's, I didn't think about it that way before you brought it up of like, why shouldn't I write for them a letter and keep it somewhere that they have one day about how I really felt about it just being us for a time. And, and they will know that you that. really saw them. Yes. And, uh, and, and that's, that's just something that's really, I, I appreciate you bringing that beauty to my life. So yeah. Uh, I'm turned, I just turned 40 uh, a couple of weeks ago and I, Miriam wanted to get me out of the COVID um, uh, energy because the COVID energy wasn't good for a real big extrovert like myself. And she said, why don't you speak to all the wonderful people in your life and create sort of a bond with all the people you already love and let it bring the energy back. And it has. So this is part of that series. And I wanted oh. to ask you, like, perhaps you could share some advice for me of uh, what it's like. Uh, what, how should I see the world at 40? What's something, what's a fresh look to add you know, to my to my life? You, you mentioned that before, you know, what it's like to be 40. And all I could think of was if memory serves, because I'm 80 <laughs> now. Yes, You're incredible. And and um, I, I, I don't know, that the, the truth be told, I, I didn't have any big birthday that felt like a big like every year i mean you know i like beginnings i wake up i love mornings i like first of months i like first of years i like i like everything that's a start and 40 is a start it's the start of a next phase of your life whatever it is that's very special i think if you look at everything as as everything as kind of a fresh start it's really a fun thing to consider you know, I, what do I I'm, get to I'm now? searching I mean, for you, that. I love that. Huh? How do you see it? Well, you know, I, I started the process of, of, of 40 as something like integration. Like there was this idea that I learned years ago that there's wisdom and there's experience, but when you turn 40, it's about bringing oh. them together, wisdom and experience, that integration. Right. But that's a little lofty and, and like, like a, like a North star to aspire to, but like start, like learning to love beginnings and starting to see micro beginnings and everything. I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah. I feel like perhaps, um, you know, being 40 is a time to, to zone in on the smaller things as things that create bigger things, like and sort of seeing the chain and link in your life a lot deeper, like. Uh, 40, I could look at it as old, or I could look at it as I'm really young and I'm just oh. really getting somewhere in my life. Yes, because people very often say, oh, yeah, I'm 40 now. And it was oh, 40. I'm starting a whole new decade. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons I, I felt like I needed to talk about it wasn't just my own indulgence. It just happens to be that the majority of the people I'm in a relationship with um, in my community were people around my age. And, and so because of that, I was like, perhaps others can benefit from all this processing of what it's like, because I resent the idea of getting older. Uh, I, I don't look at you, Janet, as 80 getting older, you're just full of life and vibrancy. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a shocker that uh, I love speaking with you and Miriam's uh, sees you yeah. as like a peer and a friend. It's, it's well, you know, utmost respect. 
I was very fortunate growing up because my parents, I mean, when I was a girl, we had, they had friends of all ages. There was never an age. And I remember at my sweet 16, two of the people I invited were close friends of mine and they were in their sixties. And I remember other kids kind of making fun of that. I said, but they're close. My granddaughter, Sissel, had four very close friends when she was four years old and she considered them her very good friends. And they were my contemporaries. And in fact, they were good friends. There was never kind of a much acknowledgement for age. My, my parents had friends of every age. They always had friends far younger than I am and far older. I don't know. Right. It says, it says that uh, Abraham came in his age and it says Sarah came in her age. And the explanation for that particular language was that it wasn't a commentary on their age. It was a commentary on them living the most fulfilled life they could possibly live. And that became the line growing up was you're not the age in your passport. You're the age of your zest for life. Yes. And, And, you know, people sometimes say, would you know, would you like to be, you know, wouldn't you love to be 30 again? The answer is always and. Yeah, if I could be 30 again, knowing what I know now. Of course. But that's not on the table. You no, have to be we, 30 again and the same idiot I was at 30 and unconscious of <laughs> so much. I doubt no, you I don't, ever No, were. I don't want to do that again. <laughs> well, you're a remarkable person in my life. And I feel Thank grateful you, that you came on to share a few words with us. And I hope people go out and check out your incredible conversations that you have and engage with so many people and inspire them to, you know, write something lovely and bring out something deep and beautiful from their life Thank and share you. it with the world around them. And, and I could, and I say to you, you know, I, I've never had a conversation with either you or Miriam that I haven't learned something new. It's beautiful. So I thank you for that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thanks, everyone. Sir.